Hi, it's Finn Dwyer from the Irish History Podcast, and this is a Staycast from Acast. Please, please, please follow the government's advice right now, which is currently to stay at home where possible. While you're staying at home, I would recommend another great show that's worth checking out. It's Unexplained by Richard McLean Smith. It's a beautifully produced and gripping show that looks at unusual and sometimes unnerving occurrences from the past and present. It's perfect escapism. Check out Unexplained on the Acast app or wherever you get podcasts. This is the Everything is Black and White podcast brought to you by Chronicle Live, bringing you the latest insight on everything to do with Newcastle United. You can find us on iTunes, Acast, Spotify or most podcast providers. Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. I'm Andrew Musgrove and today I'm joined by Mark Douglas and Chris Woff. Um, as has been the usual form, it's been a very busy few days of Newcastle United without actually really moving anything forward. Mark, you're just back from holiday. Mm. Did you have a nice week off? I had a lovely week off, yeah. A bit of a break from social media as well, um, which was which was quite nice, actually. You know, I think I think periodically everybody should take one. Um, it was, yeah, it was, it, was, it was fantastic, yeah, but straight back into it today. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to jump straight back in. I think... Where we'll start with is the claims over the weekend um, that were carried, I believe, in the, in the Mail Online, that Benitez, he's quoted as saying he knew, I think it's just a, after he met Mike Ashley, um, after the, the Fulham game, the last game of the season. Um, first of all, your thoughts on, on that? Because a lot of people are saying, well, how can various journalists, including ourselves, yep. say we were co- or Benitez and the club were confident that something might happen towards the end of his contract? Well, I think, you know... There's a lot of reinvention of things now. Now that we're kind of now that everything the dust has settled, um, and and you know it wasn't a direct quote in the mail, um, and I think there was another journalist in the in the people who wrote a similar story who didn't make that claim because he said there was contact between the two parties after the meeting, and there was contact between the two parties after the meeting. I think probably what Rafa's alluding to there is that he didn't feel there was he didn't feel there was any any hope of them moving, but it didn't mean that the necessarily things were dead at that point. Um, but I think you'll see, I mean, you know, I look at all the journalists, I, you know, I think Lee um, was, was you know, had, had his finger on the pulse with this one because I think he wrote quite early on that the offer was on the table. There was no, um, there was no negotiation from Newcastle. Really, it was the offer and take it or leave it. And Rafa hadn't at that point necessarily said explicitly, I'm not taking that, I'm not taking that. So, uh, you know, on both sides, there has been things said. I think that you know didn't necessarily marry up with where what they were saying at the time. And I think now there has been a bit of a. Neither side wants to look. Neither side wants to to make it look as if they were the ones who who were totally. They, they were as if it was going to des- if it was going to happen. Basically, I think because now it's very clear that Rafa's saying, well. It, I, I, my mind was made up a long time ago, but let's not forget that before the Liverpool game, he came out and said was very positive. There's positive noises. I think we're close, and all these all these kind of things. And let's not forget that 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 was coming out coming from Rafa directly in a press conference. Everybody felt it was positive. We were moving towards that 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 uh, that kind of eventuality. And you know, look, I loved Rafa. I loved working with him. I wish he was still here, and I don't really hold him responsible for a lot of things that happened. But let's get this quite right. He he did say things sometimes to try and push things. 
And, you know, he wasn't always... He was a politician. He, what he didn't always... Not everything that he said um, necessarily married up to what was going on behind the scenes. Um, and despite the fact that there's obviously a massive amount of mistrust of the football club, it doesn't mean that we have to take everything that Rafa says now as totally gospel when we understand that it wasn't necessarily the case. So I think he was... My take on it was that obviously after the meeting, he felt a bit... I felt he was disheartened after... Lee Charney came out and said what he said about the budget. Um, I think that that kind of finished him off a little bit in terms of where he was going. But there was a lot of hedging bets and things going on because, you know, he d- they did tell Newcastle that they wanted to stay. Um, and I think they were still open to that possibility um, until quite late. But obviously now they're looking back and saying, we, we, didn't, we, didn't, we weren't going to stay. But, the, you know, at Christmas, at Christmas, his people were telling fan group I mean before that in fact we're telling fan groups he won't stay but they'd been saying that about previous summer and the previous summer and it was just so political and and I think that you know that this was another thing where you know although I, I you know I do trust Rafa I do think that that you know to say that he definitely decided he wasn't going to stay after that first meeting well why was there any contact between the two parties after that because there was um so maybe he had decided in his mind he'd made that resolution, but that didn't seem to be the way that things were communicated at the time. Yeah, I think it was slightly disingenuous and slightly almost speaking after the fact, and I agree with Mark. I don't think that that was the position. At the time, I think that he didn't like what he'd heard, but I think that both sides, it was almost like a sort of brinkmanship. I think that Newcastle thought that Benitez would eventually agree to, to their terms and I think Benitez thought that he would eventually get a little bit more and in the end neither, neither blinked and it was Mike Ashley who made the final call albeit Benitez made it clear that he wasn't going to sign up on those terms and so Mike Ashley said we'll, we'll go and find someone else I'd, it, it's a, it's difficult to, to know exactly what was going through Rafa's mind at the time he's, a, he's it's, it's strange because there's the big paradox of Rafa that he's, he's both very emotional and very level headed at the same time and sometimes uh he gets almost conflicted in himself in the way that he's thinking. But I'd, I think that, that that he thought after that Fulham game, he went into that meeting thinking he was going to stay. And I think that he was surprised by what he heard, but he still, until maybe three weeks before the end of his contract, thought that the likelihood was that he was going to stay at Newcastle United. I don't think that was necessarily the case. Maybe April sort of time, I think there were doubts then, but his, his, his mood sort of changed in between and... It's getting a bit messy now, looking yeah, back yeah. on the Rafa period from both sides. I think both sides are trying to, to get their message across. And, and unfortunately, it's been it's been now Rafa Benitez is, is not Newcastle manager anymore. Rafa Benitez is now Dalian Newfang's manager and Newcastle need to find a replacement for Benitez. Yeah, I mean, the point, the general point is, which I think the club have to take responsibility for, is that there was a deal there to be done. They They will claim that they didn't, they didn't feel it could be because they couldn't move from where they were. But, you know, it, it, to, to be at this situation is just, I find it totally depressing because they, they, they could have, you know, at, at various points they could have taken, the club could have taken a different approach and they would have still had Rafa Benitez here as manager. And where they are now is, um, you know, a, a month before the start of the season, no manager, no new players, having lost Iosi Perez. And, you know, whatever... Whenever they were told, it's taken them two weeks so far, and it could be, and it could potentially be longer to bring in a new manager. And you know, with all that 
how important Premier League football is to Newcastle. I mean, they, you know, bear in mind the last time their accounts came out in the Championship, they talked about the massive impact that relegation and staying in the Championship would have on the football club. So they bloodbath. know how John important. Charlie was a bloodbath. Bloodbath. Yet suddenly here we are, two weeks before the, well, four weeks before the start of the season, less than four weeks now before the end of the transfer window. No manager. Two top scorers from last season, both gone. They're not going to bring Salomon Rondon in. They didn't want to anyway. They didn't want. They brought him in under sufferance last season. Um, so a hell of a lot of work to do, and it's on them now. And they they can sit and say, Rafa, you know, Rafa this, Rafa that, and they can sit and say um, whatever they want about you know we've got a plan and we're we're. Here. But you know they need to show it quickly. They need to really start get things get things moving quickly because the backlash that's coming their way. I don't think they kind of understand the, the, the ferocity of feeling out there. Do you I think? Did, I just want to say, in terms of what I didn't understand about what came out from Benitez over the weekend, is if my immediate reaction, if I was a supporter, would be if you made that decision there and then, why did you wait until? Why did it come until the week before your contract was due to expire? Because then you could almost say that that this situation has arisen whereby Newcastle United don't have a manager because they were so adamant that Benitez was the only one they wanted. If he'd come to them and said, immediately after that meeting, there's going to be no deal, Newcastle may have had another yeah. month, a month and a half. And that's where I think, again, you can just see that, that that isn't necessarily the case as to what happens. Yes, he may have been disappointed by what he heard. And yes, he may not have been going to stay on those specific terms. But that's different to the idea that he decided at that point he was no longer yeah. going to be Newcastle United manager. Because I think, because I think to be absolutely fair to Newcastle... Um, that their stance of we're not going to start negotiating with anybody else until Rafa, until the Rafa situation is totally done, I agreed with. And I know okay. now it's difficult to say because they're in a mess because they've got two weeks to go. But it's very difficult for us to, to, to write, Rafa must stay, you must do everything you want to do, and then say, oh, well, how, why haven't they got a plan? They haven't got a plan because they did put all their eggs in one basket. And I... But, you know, we, we asked them to do that and I think we would have probably hammered them a little bit if they'd have had somebody round the corner waiting because we'd have said, well, you never had any any intention of keeping Rafa. So that that I do appreciate is a difficult position. And, and if Rafa knew he wasn't going to stay, he should have informed them mm-hmm. to the point where they could have released something. And, and you know, I know people who people have so little trust in the club that they would say, well, they did, they, they would know that and it was all, it's all lies and stuff. But no, I think if they'd have known that Rafa wasn't going to stay 100%, you saw how ruthless the statement was in the end. They they're not bothered about upsetting people. They would have they would have they would have I think said at that point that that Tuesday or Wednesday or whenever it was they would have said okay draw a line under it. Um, we our search for a new manager starts now and they would have had a month and they would have they would have had somebody lined up. I'm pretty sure on the day left. Um, so you know I feel that's a bit. I didn't. It didn't sit right with me. I know people, and like you said there, I know people on Twitter then came and said, "Well, this shows journalists don't have a clue what's going on." I, I'm sorry, but you've got to apply a bit of critical faculty here. You know, I know that um, obviously George Culkin, who's the Times man, who was very close to Rafa and obviously got the interview last week as well. He was also saying the same thing about the email communication and, and phone call communication. And George's sources on that were spot on, so he was saying the same thing as well. So. You know, I, I'm not. I don't want to kind of. I don't want to kind of say defenders too much against everything because you know obviously it's a difficult summer. But you know, apply a bit of critical reasoning here and see how difficult it is when people are maybe changing their story um, afterwards. That's not 
a criticism of Rafa as a man or a manager, by the way. It's just be a bit careful about what's said after the event. Just a word then on Benitez's interview a few days prior to this one um, about the project. Um, he was open though and said, look, it is good money. But a lot of people are saying, well, if you wanted a project, can you really claim the Chinese Super League as a, as a project? Yeah, I mean, it was. I was glad that there was an acceptance within it to a degree when he said it is good money because, let's be honest, Benitez himself has, 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 has intimated in the past that the main reason that you would go to Chinese football at this stage is because of the money, and the money is, is phenomenal. I mean, an actual... Once you take it in gross terms, once you remove the fact of what he would... Sorry, in net terms, he basically is getting four times what he earned at Newcastle United because it's after tax, he's getting 12 million uh, in China. The project, I can see what he's arguing to a certain degree because there's there's so much money being invested in the training ground. It's a stadium which holds 61,000, although they very rarely get even half of that. Um, it did when go up, it did go it up. It did go up, but he, to 30-odd thousand when it holds 61,000. Um they they have a lot of money behind them. Clearly, the owner is ambitious in in that regard. But I just think that a manager of Rafa Benitez's calibre should be in Europe. It doesn't sit right with me that it, that he's out in Asia. It, it does feel a little bit galling. Um, I do I do understand what he's trying to say to a degree, but it's still it just doesn't it doesn't quite sit right with me. I I, I personally think that if he'd gone if he'd waited out for a job in the Premier League or gone to somewhere in Europe it wouldn't have felt in contrast to what he said over the last three years. And I just think that it... It it just... As soon as I heard the news, and it was about a week and a half, two weeks beforehand, where the, all of the noises started to come out and really it, it was clear from about a week and a half beforehand that he, was, he wasn't just seriously considering this. He was very close to actually agreeing to go to China. And from that point on, I just didn't quite sit right that he was still sort of in negotiations with Newcastle at the time and yet was thinking about going to China. It wasn't as if the Newcastle negotiations had ended and then he, he was suddenly looking to go to China. It's just a bit of a strange situation. I think it's a sad way for it to end because I think Benitez is diminished to a degree being there because he's a manager who should be in the best league in the world and Newcastle are certainly diminished no longer having Rafa Benitez in the, in the dugout. Moving on there to the, the news yesterday. Um, Benzai Group obviously... Still in the background, trying to work away at a deal. Um, a statement came through DJ Peter Redden, who works at a radio station over there in the Middle East. Middle East. He says that he'd spoken to officials at the Bin Zaid Group, and that basically they, they'd done everything they need to in terms of a takeover process. Um, there is a bid. There has been uh, kind of conversations with the Premier League. Uh, first of all, we didn't cover that yesterday um we'll start with that mark mm. can you just explain the reasons behind it a lot of people asking yeah so um it, it, i think the uh the statement you know we, we've carried obviously the two statements directly by the bin Zayed group that were emailed uh that were emailed to us directly i had a copy of both of those statements and um you know they came from official accounts that checked out and then we checked it with newcastle as well who confirmed that the statements were genuine they didn't they didn't. I think this is one of the, the mis, this mis kind of understandings as well. Is when Newcastle confirmed it was genuine, they weren't commenting on the the content. They were commenting on the fact that yes, the, the statements did officially come from Bin Zayed, and and it, it, that was seen as almost a tacit um, acknowledgement that they were in con- conversations with with Bin Zayed, which I think is is beyond uh, beyond any 
doubt in my mind that there is negotiations there and things are going on. Um, we didn't cover it yesterday, largely because I think it was very unorthodox way for a new statement to come out. You know, I, I've had contact with Bin Zayed and I think a few weeks ago I got a very short update from them, which was kind of two word update saying everything was all good. Now, no other media organization ran that. And I totally understand why, because it was my contact, my quote, if it was a very small quote, didn't really, it wasn't a great story to be honest, but it was, it was a story. Um, but, but that, that's my quote that I have got from them and other people can't verify where that's come from. So they, so other people are probably looking at that and saying, well, Mark's got that. I, I can't verify where it's come from. So I can't run that as my, as a quote because, you know, he might've made it up. Obviously I didn't, but that might be what they were thinking of when they, when they were looking at it. So it, for us, if it's an official statement, we have to then, because it was an official statement and he said, I think Peter said, and it's no criticism of Peter at all, who I don't know, I have no dealings with him, I've not, I've not met him um, or really dealt with him at all. So I don't know whether, it, you know, it's, it's a great thing for him to have that link and I think, you know, fair play to him, he's really obviously in there. Um, but if it's a statement and, he, and Peter said it's attributed to the CEO of Bin Zayed, so Midhat Kidwai, who's obviously the guy there, if it's a statement and it's attributed quote, we had to then go and check it out with various sources. And unfortunately, on this occasion, that has not been yet stood up by the sources that we've been verifying things with. So I would have a problem with running a piece on, you know, from with direct quotes from a CEO that we're yet to verify just off the back of somebody's personal Twitter account. Um, you know, it wasn't as if, it was released through, you know, Associated Press or Press Association or somebody like that, um, who obviously, you know, are are sources that we trust because we know that they're they're journalists that we've dealt with in the past and organisations we've dealt with in the past. So I know it probably caused a lot of consternation that it, we were kind of silent on it. I think one of the things maybe we could have done, which obviously I had to do this morning, um, but I think probably just lost a little bit in the thing was just explain possibly why we haven't done it. But I think that's that's it's a difficult one because. Where do you where do you sort of draw the line on this? Everybody was getting very animated online about this this statement, but um, you know, there's been loads of things that people have got really animated online that that haven't turned out to be true, and we haven't been able to to run them. And look, you know, look at it the opposite way, right? If we've run if we run that, and it turns out that it's fake, what's the what's the, the comeback on us is 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 absolutely huge. We have to be responsible for what we what we cover and it's up to other organizations what they run with you know i know they were saying oh well, this website or that website's carried it why aren't you doing it well you know it's up to them we just have to we had to be we had to be on this occasion really 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 strong about it and i think the final thing i'd just say is that you know i know people would say well in your live blog you run everything you run all these links and stuff but it's very different running a transfer rumor which is part and parcel of football journalism and has been for a long time i know people don't like them sometimes but they are there and we know there's a massive demand for them that's very different from running from having a statement purporting to be from a group that are in negotiations with Newcastle United um, setting out exactly what's happened you have to check that out because it's that's high level stuff um, and you know what's in the statement anyway isn't it's not taking it forward massively is it it's not it was a curious it? that was the thing even be, the way of, of releasing it was strange but also it is a a curious sort of statement it doesn't really add anything to what we've had over the last no. few in fact the last line of it was almost sort of 
defeatist in tone in terms of it almost they didn't actually say it but almost implied that they yeah. didn't necessarily see a positive resolution to the statement but I don't know whether that's just the the use of language and whether it's the intricacies of it and, and whether that isn't the intention of it but because we haven't yet had the the fact that it's come from the Benzai group stood up we can't even get the actual intention from that stood mm. up as well because we can't ask further what did this actually mean yet I found it odd because it also said I mean I know people are people are kind of on the back of the club at the moment with, with with some you know with some justification but it also said that the takeover talks have been very amicable so this idea that I think a lot of people have said that Mike Ashley is very difficult to deal with seemed to be denied by that statement because they were saying they've been very amicable agreements what they haven't been able to say and they haven't answered my question on this is if you're saying that everything is going really well this story first broke at the end of May why has this not happened yet? Because you're insisting... Now, my information is that the owners and directors test hasn't begun yet, which they said started... They were saying started the at the end of statement, May. Wasn't it? It was the second statement, yeah. But if they're saying that that's, that started, it's now six weeks. Now, it, well, it hasn't started, basically. So, But they can't, they can't answer the question of why... And we're not the only person, people saying that, why that is not the understanding of so many people in the UK. That's the question that they have to answer. And they and just by just saying, oh, that's rubbish, you're you're not telling the truth. Well, that doesn't add anything. A statement is I I mean statements just I mean to be honest, do my head in. What like they did the reason organizations put statements out is because they don't want to answer questions. And that's and I'm not having a go at Bin Zayed because you know they're they're new to this. When Newcastle do it, they put a statement out because they don't want because that's they just refer you to the statement. It means they don't have to answer follow-up questions on it. I hate it. Statements are just, you know, it's just something that they do to get it out there and to say, we don't have to now answer any questions on it because we'll just refer you to the statement. It's like when Newcastle put the thing about Rafa Benitez, they haven't followed that up by answering the questions that we've all got for them. Um, and that's the problem with with Buna's statement. So I honestly think with Bin Zayed, my opinion now is that like, look, the time for words and saying we're, we're, we're making progress is kind of done. There's no point in adding that statement. And the next statement we want from them is we have taken over Newcastle United um, and, you know, we look forward to working. That's the only next statement that we want. And, you know, look, we, we, I'm not anti-Ant Bin Zayed and nobody here is anti-Bin Zayed. We don't know them. I don't know the first thing about them. Um, I know they're not Mike Ashley, that's all I know. You know, it'd be great if we have new owners and they can come in with fresh ideas and everything. But, you know, the problem has been from the start that, you know, we, we didn't want to get carried away with it because we got carried away a little bit with Amanda Staveley to an extent with Peter Kenyon as well. Not because that was because Mike Ashley said it. And I think we were all burned by that. So we're now sitting here going, well, I don't want to be writing Bin Zayed are ready to take over this football club like the Sun did and like other people have until it's close. And we haven't had it stood up by, by people yet. And that is the problem. And I know everybody's really keen, but that but that, that statement yesterday, it just saps energy again from a from a really draining summer. It does, there's no clarity on anything at the moment. And, you know, I know people are turning on us to say, well, you need to provide clarity, but you can see, we've just talked about Rafa, the situation there and the double speak there. I've just mentioned there about Bin Zayed and some of the stuff in the statement that doesn't tally up with what other people are saying. So it's really difficult for us. Because one one party's saying one thing, another party's saying another thing, and then another party's refusing to speak. So piecing together 
what's actually going on is very, very, very difficult. We hope you've enjoyed this episode so far. Just a quick reminder to please subscribe and review to our podcast through iTunes, Spotify, or whichever podcast provider you listen through. This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. We are as we were with the takeover. Well, yes, as, as our latest understanding is that, yes, my gosh, she is still on it. Until that situation changes, it's Mike Ashley and Lee Charnley who need to go and find another manager. Whether the takeover situation is impacting upon the managerial search is another matter entirely. Benitez again suggested in his interview uh, with the Times that one of the extra complicating factors was the takeover and the fact he didn't know who was going to be owner. I know, having spoken to a few agents of managers, that one question that will be asked, as I wrote in the notebook over the weekend, by managers before they come in is what is happening with the takeover situation so Newcastle are going to have to be either clear with them if they can't necessarily be clear with anyone else as to what's going on going forward because there needs to be some sort of certainty because someone could take the job and then someone else could take charge next week I think we're getting towards the end of a window whereby someone realistically would take control of the club though because there's, there's less than a month left in the transfer window so why would you buy the club unless you can actually make a material difference, unless you can take over the club and be confident you can sign players immediately. Because the thing with the reason the owners and their exit test is, is, is important is because that's the stage, the final stage, at which you get to where basically you can... you can It's probably going to take a few days for that to finish, even if it's very, very clear where things go. That stage, is, that stage has some significant things to, to sort out. So... If you to get to that stage is going to take a few more days, so you're then eating into maybe four weeks to go. So if the owners and director starts, it could be done really quickly. It could potentially be done really quickly if, if they have all the information that they need really really quickly. It could be done in a couple of days. So then you'd have four weeks, get your manager in, get your transfers done, and things can move really really quickly in football. So I wouldn't rule it out. I, no, I, I'm I've, not rooting out. I've not. I've said all along I wouldn't rule it out because I know that the conditions are there. And we felt that this was going to be the summer where potentially something could happen. Um, we felt the conditions were there, but I think at the moment you just—I think I'm just dealing with it as if, mm-hmm. as if it is going to be Ashley, Charnley, um, and a new manager. That's what—that's what where we're kind of dealing with things at the moment. But um, you know, I—I—I I, I, I can't, I can't rule it out because, you know, things can happen really, really quickly. But it is going to have to happen soon. It's going to have to happen soon if it's going to happen at all. There's the perfect link into management uh, chatter now. Um, so it is Tuesday, and just over the last few hours, um, Steve Bruce has emerged as the bookies' favourites. Understood that he is being considered. Uh, so, gentlemen, Steve Bruce as the next Newcastle United manager? Um, I, 
I mean, look, it, it, everything's been it's been all over the place. This this sort of managerial hunt in terms of what we know about it, because the club aren't saying an awful lot. Um, you know, I think they're deliberately kind of keeping things very much under wraps this summer. I think you know there's a lot of reasons for that. I think they want to unveil the next manager and then talk about things. So it really, then what happens is we kind of get led by the bookies' odds, agents scraps of information that we pick up and then maybe referring back to the club on, on stuff like that so the Bruce thing has been picked up by a couple of people I know that you know I know that he's probably one of the people that they've they've had him on the list before he's desperately keen on the job and would always want it um, and I would think that he's probably like one of those kind of what somebody that they consider a bit of a sort of steadier hand at the tiller because he's got experience and he's, he's going to come in and and you know, he's, if he came in, he would come in with the kind of intention of sort of steadying things. But fans really aren't keen on on Steve Bruce coming in. You know, he's he's not a kind of top name in terms of Premier League. You know, I think he's, you know, I think he personally, you know, I know I'll get some stick for this, but I think he, he's competent, definitely, you know, in terms of he has experience, but it's not what Newcastle need at the moment. They need somebody, they go from Rafa, they've had Rafa Benitez as an elite manager you know, it would take a hell of a lot for Steve Bruce to get anywhere near that level of of, of support. He would have to win a lot of games and probably win something to ever get to where Rafa was from the moment he walked in. Um, I, I just find it that that would be, it would be a big, big, big ask for Steve Bruce to come in. I can see the appeal of it to Newcastle in that they would, they would say he's competent, he's a sort of steady hand at the tiller, but, you know, they said that about McLaren gave them the benefit of the doubt and it didn't work out. They have to go out and get somebody with a bit more, you know, Premier League kind of they'd have to you know, Premier League is a glamorous league now. It needs they need a big a big name, a big hitter or or somebody with a bit of that kind of stardust behind them to, to get anywhere anyone anywhere near back. Um, you know, that that's the same as maybe they've lost some fans this summer who will just say well, we will never come back, it doesn't matter who the manager is. But they will lose a whole bunch more if they see if they're seen as appointing just somebody who's you know got a pretty you know his last job was his last job well, he's at Sheffield Wednesday at the moment but his last job before that was Villa where I think he did a pretty good job there until the end when he was very much unpopular with Villa fans by the end but I know Steve from working with him at Sunderland really good guy really good guy but this but you know but being a good guy does not you know I, I liked him but it doesn't mean that I think he should be the next Newcastle manager and I think they have to I, I mean I would have Potentially, I would have liked Giovanni van Bronckhurst as the manager because I felt like that was the kind of, at least I could see a forward-thinking idea there. Um, but, you know, that's not going to happen. I've spoken to people close to him, so that's not going to happen. I could Arteta I'd be quite happy with because he seems very, I like that kind of idea of somebody who's got a bit of, you know, and he's very, very highly rated, nearly got the Arsenal job, but it doesn't look like he wants it. Vieira obviously has ruled himself out. Gerard obviously that, that I think that one's going to be a difficult one to get there as well. Um, I just don't see where they're going to go at the moment. It's really really difficult. But they need to they need to move and they need somebody who's going to start to kind of they need a credible candidate because whoever they bring in at the moment who's not credible is going to look like a yes man and that would be Steve Bruce's biggest problem. Is that the moment he came in, people would say it's another guy who's just grateful for having the job who will put up with anything they throw at him and that was what Rafa didn't <clears throat> didn't have 
And that was what made him so special. And that is why anybody like Steve Bruce is going to be automatically, you know, viewed with suspicion by a lot of Newcastle fans. I guess you could say that. Obviously, he managed Birmingham, went to Villa. Very big rivalry. Would that help him in terms of excellent manager going to Newcastle? It would to a degree, but I think I think it's different. I think the fact that he is actually a, a Geordie, both plays for him and against him in that regard. It was I wrote this a piece last week, sort of going through the sort of profile of manager Newcastle would go for, and the problem that someone like Bruce would have, and I think it's the same with Martinez, but even more so Bruce is that yes, they've got Premier League experience, so that counts for them, but they come with baggage. So as soon as something would would go wrong with Roberto Martinez, if, if he came in, it would be well, he couldn't they couldn't defend at Everton, and he's got that same problem here with Bruce. All of those sorts of, uh, basically the ideas that people already have, the perceptions people already have of his style of manager would just immediately come back to the surface. Whereas someone like Vieira, Van Bronckhorst, who have a bit of gravitas behind them, yes, it's a risk because they haven't got Premier League experience at management, but at the same time, I think they would be afforded more time perception-wise, because it's almost the unknown. It's the idea of the, that it is positive going forward, and I think that's what will count against Bruce. But I agree with Mark, it's been a bizarre few weeks. Only on Newcastle United could Jose Mourinho and Gary Monk lead the, the bet nods at different times. I mean, that that's it's been completely all over the place, and partly that's to do with the takeover situation, partly that's to do with the fact that Newcastle United, when Benitez first left, had really no idea what direction they were going to head. And I think that the options in terms of what they were looking for have been limited. And I think they've had to sort of mould the idea of what they might like going forward. And I, I personally agree. I'd have, I'd have liked someone like Van Bronckhorst or Vieira or Arteta, someone like that. I think that, yes, it's a risk to a degree because they've got no experience in that regard. But I think that that they would bring a little bit of excitement. They're not Rafa Benitez. They're mm. Nobody they're bringing is going to be. But I just think it's someone who's got... They've got personality behind them, that gravitas and... I just think that the baggage that someone like Steve Bruce, albeit I agree, I think he's quite a competent candidate. It's, it's it, unfortunately, I think to a degree he'd almost be, uh, he'd be weighing into the wind for for a want of a better phrase to begin with. Well, the fly, fly off the China this weekend. At the moment, it looks like Neil Redfern is going to be the one it's to ben take Dawson, charge. It's Dawson with Redfern, Redfern yeah. Yeah. So, well, the, 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 if you notice, Newcastle have made a point of not referring to them as assistant managers. They said they're overseeing training. And they've made a point of that. Now, they're going to be in a difficult situation whereby if there isn't someone appointed by this weekend, that they may have to do that because obviously the game's next Wednesday. But at the moment, they haven't yet actually called. I hope they've got their visas sorted out. Well, could could you imagine that? Well, bear in mind, bear in mind, this isn't isn't, uh, what they're doing in China is not a um, kind of just a normal friendly where... So what you could have had with Newcastle, if if they'd have been playing, say... Hibs or somewhere like that as the first pre-season game they could have potentially sort of muddied the waters a little bit by saying look there's nobody available to speak and you're not you, there's none of the players can speak because you, we don't think it's fair to put anything on them and you know Ben Dawson won't won't be speaking either they could, they could have done it like that because that would have saved them a lot of hassle but because it's a Premier League official tournament that they're being paid almost a million pounds to be at by the way they have to put players and management up for official press conferences. So they're put so they're in a difficult position next next week because they're gonna to have to either put a Dawson or a Redfern up if there's no new manager. Um, or they're gonna to have to put somebody from the coaching team up to speak. Now that will be the first person from a Newcastle United perspective to speak since Rafa spoke after Fulham, which was the you know, obviously Rafa's not here anymore. 
half the players who were, you know, at Fulham were all saying we want Rafa to stay, we want all these things to happen. Um, they've lost, you know, they've lost these other things. So they're going to have the, so because they're at this tournament in China where they're being paid handsomely and comes with it's the full glare of TV over there because that those matches are going to be on telly, uh, they're on Sky. And the press conferences and things like that will all be on there as well. So they're going to have to nominate somebody to do those, do those things. I feel sorry for Neil Redfern because he's come in and he's a really competent academy coach with a great reputation of that from from Leeds. But he's not. He wasn't intended to be brought in as the first team manager. And you know that is going to be a. Yeah, I feel sorry for him because it's not his. You know, that's not what the job he applied for. Um, and if you know, with respect to him, if he'd have applied for the first team manager job. I don't think he would have got an interview because, you know, his last job was at Rotherham. Um, well, his last job was at Liverpool Ladies, but before that, it was at Rotherham, and he got he got fired there because he and now he's into the academy side of things as well. I think he'll do a really good job at the academy, by the way. But it's not fair on him to to thrust him into this. You know, I mean, it's the pre, you know, it's the Premier League. It's a multi million pound industry. I mean, how Newcastle can be the only team not to have signed anybody and the only team without a manager. Um, at this stage in pre-season is beyond comprehension. It's not normal. So what kind of manager are Newcastle are looking for? Um, well, so Van Bronckhurst, uh, apparently when he his people went to Newcastle and they said, we're looking for somebody with Premier League experience, but that doesn't tally in with Arteta and Gerrard, who are obviously, you know, maybe they have got Premier League coaching experience or academy coaching experience. So they might They might in there as well. But it feels like they are looking... I have been of the opinion that they're looking for somebody, a forward-thinking kind of younger coach, like a coach, somebody who's got that really good coaching pedigree because they, they liked that about Rafa, that he could coach improvements into the team. So that was my, that's been my understanding the whole way through, that they want a really competent coach who's going to add, you know, going to add improvements to the squad. Um, but maybe somebody who's going to work within their framework a little bit more than Rafa did. Which would imply a an Arteta, a Vieira, a kind of you know a youngish coach. So that's why I kind of find the Bruce thing a little bit strange. It would imply to me if they're going to Bruce, that they've been turned down by other people, um, and that you know they, they they or alternatively that something bigger is going to happen on the future of the football club at, at some point in the future, and he would be in just as a sort of stopgap. Uh, but that's my understanding is that they want a, they want a forward thinking coach. Um, they've always wanted a coach. Bear in mind, McLaren, when he came in, that was what they said about him. Mm-hmm. You know, it didn't work out, but they said he's a first-class coach. And that's and to be fair to McLaren, that's what everybody says about him. He's a great kind of coach. I don't think he's a very good manager, but he's a good coach. That's what they wanted. Then they got Rafa in, who's a first-class coach, elite coach. And I think that's what they'd want. Again, it's somebody who can... Because you know, they've seen the benefits of that on the pitch. You know, improvement in value of players like Longstaff and... Um, Perez and things like that as well, and also you know getting the best out of players is 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 kind of what they want. Um, so just finally, then transfers like Mark mentioned, there only club not to have signed a player in the Premier League so far. I always prayers sold. Rondon's not coming back. The army's gone. Kennedy's gone back. Chelsea Barrega has gone back to. I'm glad you I think, I think he's actually gone to Genoa now. Um, Host of loan players have come back in. Their futures need to be decided. Decided. Whoever comes in is now going to have, well, yeah, less than four weeks to to not only balance the squad but make some important decisions. And if they want to improve it, time really isn't in Newcastle's favour. 
it's not in Newcastle's favour at all. I mean, that is that is the concern for me. And this is if Newcastle do end up going for someone like Martinez or Arteta, who may want to reshape the squad as well. My concern is there simply isn't enough time to do that. And to, that squad is very much built in Rafa Benitez's image. I keep saying this over the last few weeks, but he got the maximum out of them in a specific way of playing. If you get someone else in, you want to change the style. Yeah, you've lost a couple of players from theory. There's the space in the squad, but still the majority of the squad is is drilled to play in that. So where do you have the time to implement a new strategy? Do you have the time to really get in before what is, albeit not as difficult a start as last season, but is far from an easy start of the Premier League season? The Castle are really, really up against it now. I did not think at the start of the summer they would be in this position by now, I thought that there would be a resolution to the Benitez situation within the first two or three weeks after the end of the season. Obviously, that dragged on for six, seven weeks. And then we've had another two weeks without a manager. It's really, really not looking good for Newcastle at the moment. Then They need to get a move on. They need to get a manager in place. They need to get transfers signed because everyone else's strength and everyone else is getting ready for that first game of the season. And Newcastle's first two... Uh, pre-season fixtures yeah they're only friendlies but you're against Wolves and you're against either West Ham or Man City they're very difficult early games and they're going there at the moment with a threadbare squad if Hosselu does leave before then they've only got one out and out striker in the squad in Dwight Gale yeah Mudo who's playing the championship last year they're not Almiron probably isn't going to be back and ready by then Atsu's injured Lejeune's probably not going to be ready so you're not going to have you haven't got your two top scorers from last season it's not looking great at this moment in time. Sean Longstaff, there's still very much interest in Man United, although that situation's a bit bizarre because journalists over there keep getting briefed that a bid's going to come and it still hasn't arrived yet. So that's two situation's weeks, isn't it? Over the last two weeks it's been this week. Four weeks, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah this week bizarre. they will bid for Sean Longstaff. I think that, I think what, what I what I, I despair about is I went down and spoke to Jamie Harley, the sports science, um, it's before the end of the season and marvelled at the meticulous way that Newcastle United kind of went about in particular they were talking about the way that they track players and the way that things things worked in pre-season and how when Rafa was here everything was was aimed toward that final few weeks of the season and it was a really like kind of they thought about everything and there was all this kind of like background work going on now we're like four weeks before the start of the season you're up against clubs that have sports science departments worth millions and millions of pounds who who will be working on a plan and would have been working on a plan since it's kind of the back end of last season on how to best utilise and maximise the players at their disposal. Um, and they will have been working on plans and pre-season, tra- and pre-season training will be tailored to certain things and the specifics of how a manager wants to work. But Newcastle are now four weeks before the start, start of the season and don't have a manager. So how can they possibly cram everything into four weeks it doesn't make any sense to me. Like, I don't understand what they're thinking. Like, why they think that this is a good way to kind of go about pre-season. Like, what, like at what point do they sort of... At what point have they, have they kind of not realised what's kind of coming over the... Like, we warned them. We, everybody warned them. We wrote countless pieces saying, act now, you know. Do something. Do, please do something. You know, we were almost like pleading to say, please do something. Don't let this situation drag on. And that's kind of where we are at the moment. So, look, you know, out sometimes out of the ashes, you know, out of the kind of the, the, you can 
pull something out and it can sometimes all come together for a sense of I don't know like you know it's happened before but even the season you know, people are comparing it to the 2009 season um, when the, we didn't know who the manager was going to be at the start of the season Chris Hewton ended up taking the season but A. Hewton had them the whole summer so you know and they were going into the championship with a squad that was Premier League calibre so it's not as it wasn't as bad as it is now um, in my opinion you know I know that they lost Shearer and stuff, but there was an element of planning, and they knew where they they knew where they stood and everything. Um, this is this is this is bad, you know. Twenty ten, they had a bad summer, but Pardew was in there. Well, they had it looked like they had a bad summer. They lost Nolan and all that, but <coughs> Pardew had been in there for a long time. He knew he was starting to get things together, and they'd signed Kabai, Denver Bar. They'd signed players by now. This is the latest they've ever left it not to sign a player in the summer, um, you know, and. That's before we even started on the fact that whoever comes in and they're looking at this, we've heard all kinds of different names. How are they going to? I'm assuming that's basically what's happening, or I think what's happening is Steve Nixon is going out and sourcing the targets, and the new manager will come in and he'll be told, Here's the targets, here's the targets we've come up with. Are you happy if we press the button on all of these things? Which is what happened with McLaren, I believe. Was well, McLaren didn't really have any say in that summer recruitment, but Graham Carr was the chief, chief scout there. That is, I assume, what's going to happen. But that had didn't work for Newcastle that summer, and they were in a better nick that summer because they'd they'd got Vine Alderman in and they got all these players and they appointed McLaren much earlier in the summer. So it, it's, I mean, they are going to have to do some serious work in the next three and a half weeks. Serious work, like proper, like assigning every other day to get to where they need to be, um, and spend some money and, and they're not going to be able to like muck about with like valuations and things like that they're going to have to like press the button on players to come in I think they have one or two lined up yeah I think they do yeah I'm pretty sure they do um, I wouldn't be surprised if you see Joel Linton sign for Newcastle United because there were very optimistic noises about that but you know that's a risk isn't it because he's never played Premier League football and who's going to be the manager if it's Bruce and a load of and a hundred million pounds worth of signings, then who knows where we stand at the start of the season? But at the moment, it looks like an almighty mess. There we have it. Then, so just quickly, the flyout with China this weekend. Will there be a new manager in charge? I don't know. I'm being perfectly honest. I don't know the answer to that question. I don't think Newcastle know the answer to that question yet. Mm. So I think they'd like they'd like to be for for all the reasons previously mentioned. But at this stage. I don't know. I was told yesterday it, it wouldn't happen, but that can change all the all, you know all the time. I'd be mightily surprised if they're not close to something by yeah. then. I'd be I I would think that something's going to happen in the next few days that's mm. where we're going to see some kind of you know movement on it. I, I mean you know I, I always thought the first week after Rafa left would be like it has been you know very much like just sourcing things. But um, I think by the end of this week, we'll know, we'll have an idea of where they're going, much more of an idea of where they're going. If not, they can't get somebody out to China, so it'll be the week after. I mean, that it would be unbelievable. But I think we'll know more by the end of the week. There you have it. And you can keep up to date uh, with all the news over on our website. This has been the Everything is Black and White podcast. This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows 
and this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts.